0: The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. And now, here's your host of Lead Tennessee Radio, Lavoie Knowles. Hello, I'm Lavoy Knowles, the Executive Director of the Tennessee Broadband Association. Our guest today is Representative Terry Lynn Weaver. Representative Weaver, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Representative Weaver represents Smith, Trousdale, and portions of DeKalb and Sumner counties in the Tennessee House of Representatives. She chairs the Safety and Funding Subcommittee and serves on a number of other committees, including transportation and education. She and her husband make their home in Lancaster, where she's a singer, songwriter, and a small business owner. The couple has one child and two grandchildren and are very involved in their community. Representative Weaver, let's start our conversation today with talking about your upbringing, where you were raised, and what led you to your early exposure to the political process.
1: Wow, that's a lot of info. Right. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, well, I will tell you a, a little bit about myself. Let's see. I was born and raised in Mansfield, Ohio. Good. I'm the first generation of uh, my father is a refugee here from Brestovich, Yugoslavia, and they came over on a U.S. naval ship in 1952 with one suitcase eight brothers and sisters, my grandma and grandpa, and they landed in Ellis Island, and from there took a train to Mansfield, Ohio, where they were sponsored by my grandfather's oldest brother. And they had a, um, a job waiting for my grandfather at the Mansfield brick industry. They made bricks there. And uh, my dad was 12 when they came, and he went into first grade at a public school, and he learned English mighty quickly. Wow. So I have amazing... Um, um, history of of the, the the journeys and the adventures that um, my dad's side of the family uh, came through. So around the kitchen table growing up, I have numerous stories of of their journeys uh, since World War II, and 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 it's part of my DNA currently today. Right. So uh, and I'm writing a actually working on writing a book on that. Fantastic. So, but it's going to take me a little while, so I don't think it's going to be out anywhere near soon, but it is something I'm working on.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic information. <laughs> Did not know that. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, what about your exposure to the political process? What What got you into, into politics?
1: Well, it sure wasn't anything I was looking for. Um, you know, we traveled for 30-some years in the music industry, so we're We were really not home a bunch when we we moved here from Texas. Um, Of course, you know, I went to Texas, and that's where I went met my husband, Mike, and our, our only one and only son, Justin, was born in Dallas. But we spent 30 years as a family in the music industry. Then that's what moved us to the Nashville area, but we didn't care for the city much. Levoy. we liked the country, so right. we found us this place that needed like green, what it they called, green acres, green you acres, know, they needed right. lots of TLC, <laughs> lots of work. And we would work on the home, put the paint cans and things up when we got... At the end of the week, and then we, you know, get in the van, get in the, the trailer, get in the bus, and go do a road trip, come back and start all over again. So so I never really was that plugged into the community during that time frame. But then uh, we started seeing where a, chapter change, a chap, blah, chapter change was taking place, and we started getting more involved in the community. And I had a um, gentleman named A.B. McCall. Approach me.
0: Know that gentleman? Hey, you know, and
1: he, we got to be good friends and he he gave me a couple things to do in the community and I I dove into it and took, took had a good time doing it. He says, Hey, have you ever thought about, and I went, uh, let, You know that old country song? What part of No, don't you understand? <laughs> that was what I said and then he left it at that, but then when he got my husband involved and they, they cornered me. And they said, why don't you think about running for office? And to be honest with you, I really didn't think I had the goods. I didn't have the know-how. I didn't have the, well, the experience. I wasn't a lawyer. I've been a, I've been a singer-songwriter all my life. Um, so I really didn't think I had the stuff to do this. But that was uh, over what? This is going on my 11th year. Oh, wow. So I ran in 2006, lost the race. And thought, okay, Mr. McCall, I gave you everything I had, and the people didn't want me to be there, so there you go. And he said, well, we'll have this conversation later. (laughs) So he said, well, I want you to run one more time. So I consented to that, and uh, of course, I'm here. And on the day I gave my oath in 2009, January 13th, our youngest grandson was born.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: So that's how I know how long I've been here. He's 11. (laughs) Oh, wow. So there you go. That's yeah. that's what um, brought me to the crossroads of politics. But then again, as I shared earlier, I have a history, um, a rich history of my my family fleeing from communism, right, and and being thrust out of their home and and looking and coming across the the big pond and and my dad telling me the story as he's twelve years old. He sees the Statue of Liberty and all he could think of at twelve was. I've left the homeland, the motherland, where it was nothing but survival, and two of his siblings died of starvation. And oh, so God. they have all these things, and they say, here, I'm looking at the Statue of Liberty, and we're looking at a new opportunity, and we want to embrace every value and every principle that America stands for. Oh,
0: that's great. And that's-
1: so within five years, they became citizens. Um, they're productive citizens, and all of that without uh, no subsidy. Just hard work, hard work, working together as a family. And uh, literally when they were kids, they brought their house cleaning money, their lawn money, and they put it together and they put a down payment on a house on Bowman Avenue for I think it was $2,000 back then to put a down <laughs> payment on a home. But I love that story. Oh, it's a great story. Because it? It, it's just, it just encompasses and embraces what this country offers and how um, important it is to preserve those principles.
0: That's right. Hard that's, work. That, that's the American story. Yes, it is. Even though you're a little closer to it than some of us are, you know, yeah. it's maybe more generations away for, for a lot of us, but yes. uh, you can live that experience. Yes.
1: Yes. That's, that's I'm, great. I'm, I'm just uh, proud to share it. <laughs> Thanks for letting
0: me. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you for, for doing that. As I said in the opening, you're a small business owner, and why are the small businesses so important to Tennessee's economy? And what does that, how that impact the way you look at legislation?
1: big impact on how I look at at legislation. I'm all about stay out of my way, government. Just let me do what I do best. Let me handle my business and don't bring your nose into my business and and I'll be a good steward of it, basically. And, you know, it's that, it's the it's the you know less is more thing. The less you're involved, the less you take of my money. The more I can invest back into it, and the more I can invest into my community, and the more revenue. So it, it's just kind of like, it's just a it's just a process. It's it's a wave, if you may, uh, and don't interrupt it. Don't regulate it, overregulate it, or overboss it. Right. And you will have it'll work out. It's just kind of like the thing. It's yeah. not like gravity. You yeah. throw something in the air and it'll fall down. Well, if you stay out of the way of small business, it will produce for you. And I mean, look at what we're, what we're experiencing now on a federal level as well as in the state. Right. I mean, we've re- removed all the bumps in the roads and allowed business to do what they do best. So that's do business. That's right. And the economy yeah. has been blessed because of it.
0: Well, you know, most Americans have an entrepreneurial spirit about them. Right. And no one wants to be overburdened with reg- regulations, and that's happened in the past. It's past. And in Tennessee, um, leadership like yourself has taken a lot of those away and taken down the barriers, broken the wall, and, and now we're on a, a really good path where the most Physically responsible state in the country. Yep. Uh, lots of good things happening in Tennessee, and thanks to your leadership, we've been able to accomplish that.
1: Well, thank you. And it, and it has been a really amazing opportunity in these last ten years to be a part of those discussions and those decisions, and then be able to see the results of those discussions and decisions, which is what we're experiencing now. As you said, we are, you know, our our bank statement, for to say, or our portfolio is amazing. That other states are jealous or envious i mean they're saying how do you how you doing this and again it just goes back to the simplicity of less is more exactly less involvement right
0: many states are struggling to keep their pension funded tennessee's got one of the best funded uh, pensions in the country Um, don't have an income tax we're working on Decreasing other business taxes. Got rid of
1: the death tax. Exactly that was part of my discussion. I exactly. loved working on. That's when I learned a lot from Laffeter, who was here, Art Laffeter. and he uh, he really um, he was involved with us. We had us uh, the stakeholders around the table, and we thought, you know, sometimes when we look at cutting tax, then the first thing the state wants to go was that's a whole that's a whole chunk of change over here that we're not going to get. But you have to start thinking. But think of the whole. Masses of chunks of change you're going to get by people, by more people coming here and more people putting into the piggy bank, and more opportunity for those people to invest and do what they want to do with it. Right.
0: It's so, maybe a lesser tax rate, but a bigger pot to draw from. There you go. <clears throat> what particular challenges do you see facing the rural population in our state at this time?
1: Well, I live in the in a holler, uh, at, at an, on a dead end road, and one of the challenges is roads. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I will say, um, potholes and all the rain we've been having have right. been really washing away some of the roads that we do have. So I would say some of the biggest issues in rural Tennessee would be, of course, infrastructure. Infrastructure, it's a big deal. And, yeah. and good roads to get to your homes and good roads for for farmers to to uh, you know drive their tractors to get the stuff there. So produce commerce, right. but also a, a big. A big part of infrastructure is what you don't drive on. It's what's buried underneath, and that's you know, broadband and good exactly. internet connection because we are so mobile and so entrepreneurish. We're we're finding a lot of people in rural Tennessee are basing their headquarters right out of their home, which right. my husband and I are. You know, he he is a contractor and he does a lot of remodeling. So we do everything on our little laptop and we have got to have a great printer, <laughs> and we've got to have a good internet service and Even on weekends, be able to video stream a good movie when you're wiped out at the end of the week, you just want to veg and watch a good movie. (laughs) So, all those things are important to rural Tennessee and to be able to communicate. And so, that's and I will have to say that in the last six six years or so, we've been seeing a real uptick in making sure we get broadband services into our rural areas because not only is it good for businesses, um, our schools. Our kids are doing more and more online. You know, they're taking their tests online. And so our schools have got to be up to snuff when it comes to being able to meet the demands of kids in these schools and the classrooms being able to take their tests and having no, you know, interruptions. Right. Uh, and then, of course, our Reconnect uh, 55, uh, Drive to 55, where a lot of adults are going back to school. Right. So they come home from work. Uh, we fix supper, and we get online, and we do some courses. And you don't want that interrupted, because that's frustrating. Exactly. So in rural area, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're really, some neat things are happening in rural Tennessee. We're actually thinking, you know what? we can have our cake and eat it too, live out in the country and still be connected. So I'm, right. all, I'm all for that.
0: Good, good. As you know, the Tennessee Broadband Association is comprised of cooperatives and small independent telecommunications companies that are investing millions of dollars in fiber networks across the state, predominantly in rural areas. In fact, our group has committed to spend uh, or invest over $400 million between 2020 and 2022. And so we're committed as well. So uh, what role do you see, and you've kind of already talked about this, but what role do you see is broadband playing in rural development?
1: It's just huge. Again, if a, if a new company wants to come out, like say to Smith County or DeKalb, what are the very first things they're going to say, okay, can I drive there? Can I get to this? Well, if you've got an industrial park or an area that the counties are working on, is it accessible to get a truck and a car? But oh, by the way, if you don't have high-speed connection here, I can't operate my business here. Right, a deal so it is a deal cutter. It's one of the first things I'll ask you. Right. So that's right. very important that we that we work on that. And again, I'm excited to see, kind of like the fill in the blanks we've been making from the big city hubs to out in the rural areas. We're we're filling in those blanks. The very various um, suppliers of uh, meeting those needs are doing, and that's exciting. And then you have the federal piece that is helping us meet those matches yeah. right. to move that. So it's a huge team effort that uh, when we're all working together and focused on that main mission, we get her done.
0: Yeah, I agree, and we've made some huge progress the last three years. The broadband Accessibility Fund has been a huge success, and ECD's done a good job overseeing it, but folks like you have voted for that that funding, and we appreciate your efforts on doing that, too. Actually, the Governor uh, Lee's budget includes twenty five million this year, which is five more million. And so every little bit helps.
1: And he's been very focused on rural Tennessee, which is so nice to have. Right. I mean we you know you gotta have all a lot of activity in those cities obviously and a lot of needs but a lot of times we in the rural area we get the crumbs <laughs> but not so now and i have a big shout out to our governor for really really focusing on rural tennessee and how we can still compete and right. how we can still you know have good roads good broadband and good schools and yada yada
0: right Totally agree. As an association, we believe access to health care is also vital to the well-being of Tennessee's residents, and broadband plays a critical role in expanding health care access through telemedicine technology. Uh, That's why we are working on a statewide rural telehealth initiative. In your view, how important is broadband and telemedicine to increasing access to care, especially in rural areas?
1: Well, I will tell you it's huge. That's another huge factor. It's I was in some of the first discussions when we were being introduced to telehealth and telemedicine in Macon County when the district had Macon County. So we had some of the stakeholders up there, and I was never – I didn't even need, know anything about it, to be honest with you. And I was like, whoa, you mean you can care for me out here in a holler, and you're at Vanderbilt, and you can actually diagnose and, in some cases, you know, stabilize me or do whatever you need to do to treat um, a patient right. and – of course they can and right. that's vital because we live out we live far away and uh, and especially too a lot of our our rural hospitals are closing LeVoy, and um, the templates are changing technology is actually has has propelled that trajectory so with that happening and also telemedicine and a piece of legislation that I'm 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 hoping that we're going to get that reimbursement for is our EMS, um, ER on wheels guys who are equipped in those emergency vehicles to sustain you if you had a heart attack. And they have equipment in there. Like I said, it's like going into an ER hospital, but they also do telemedicine inside those
0: little
1: squares. (laughs) And so it's vital, again, uh, that we do all we can to keep the internet what is it 5g now i don't oh, even remember geez. yeah that's
0: the new that's new, the new
1: uptick okay right. yes so it's vital that we have that everywhere and we're working on that and it's good Goodness.
0: great i totally agree tell us about your family and why it's important to you as a grandparent that we create opportunities to keep our young people in tennessee
1: well, i'm a huge proponent of our tcat schools and now, though my children live in Davidson County, they're still city-fied. We got to try to get them back out in the <laughs> holler. But uh, but the T-Cats are just, again, broadband, they're fully equipped. Um, but you know, there's some kids who don't want to go away to college. Absolutely. And, um, and like there's some kids who don't want to play football, but they want to be in the band. Right. Uh, but there's some kids that want to basically take a trade a work skill, welding, farming, or whatever, and they want to be able to uh, work and focus on kind of what we did when I was in school called vacational school, or All vocational right. school, yeah. Vocational. And so then you, you work on that skill, you get your graduating diploma on graduating day out of high school, and then you can also get a piece of paper that says, hey, you've got this many hours of pro-secondary schooling, and you can just go ahead and get you a full-time job. And some of them jobs pay mighty fine buckaroos. I do. And so that being said, in answer to your question, Levoy is they can stay in rural Tennessee and have a good job. right? And that's important. That's important. So we, we need those skill-based jobs. Um, and they're available, and they can entrepreneur right out of their home, be a plumber, be an electrician, be a welder, and stay right inside beautiful Smith County.
0: Exactly. And go
1: fishing in the morning, come home and work out of the house. That's right.
0: <laughs> go hunting the everything. Yes, now. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I Is live it... in Warren County, so I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. And, and uh, living in a rural area, you'd have a different, a different quality of life. Yes, it's, you do. It's something different. And we appreciate you being a, a rural representative or representing your rural counties because it, it's a different um, thought process from the metropolitan to rural areas.
1: Oh, yeah. Even the wardrobe's different. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true. You serve as chair of the Safety and Funding Subcommittee and on other committees as well that deal directly with education. Why are these issues important to you?
1: Well, uh, again, the texting and driving issues is very important to me because we were starting to see an uptick in um, fatalities on our roads. And I am the chair chairlady, I guess, chairlady of a, a subcommittee of safety and funding in transportation. So I take very serious, um, you know, what's going on on the roads. So basically, this is a piece of legislation that's been coming, had been coming through our, our doorways for like four years. Took me a while to kind of consent to it, but when I was educated on it, and I got to say, hmm, well, we need to do something about a distraction issue while driving. Um, and so that's what we decided to do. We're going to take this route. Now, we're going to get the numbers in the next year or two, how effective the law that we put in place is. Um in fact, we asked that question today. We asked safety: What do we have any d- data on that? And they said, "No, we need another couple years to do that, and we'll look and see what the results are." I would like to think that yes, it is saving lives. It's it's keeping me off my phone. I literally put my phone in my my little cubby there, and uh, I guess it's it's education. We have to just train ourselves. Look, we need to be responsible behind the wheel, right? And in with all the. The traffic we have now in Tennessee is everybody's just wanting to live here because it's a great state to live in. We're having growing pains. And so uh, there's a lot of people on the road. So we got to really, really focus more on what we're doing at that time. And that's 10 and 2. Have you ever heard that? I have. You know, 10 and 2 on yes. the wheel and look straight ahead. Right. So, so that's important um, in answer to your
0: question. Okay. What are some of the challenges you see ahead for the state? And what are some of the issues that you're particularly excited to tackle this session?
1: Well, I think some of our challenges I alluded to earlier is the fact that we are growing so fast and we don't have enough concrete or pavement or roadway to accommodate all the vehicles. You're
0: exactly right.
1: And this has become – and we've been having – people. I know – I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. We're trying to find out, you know, how can we meet those demands? We've had conversations of uh, transit. We've had conversations of rail. Um, of course, in the city, a lot of new sky. I mean, I think the crane is the new state fl- uh, flower because <laughs> there's just there's buildings everywhere, everywhere and there's new residences. So a lot of people that are moving into the burr into the Nashville per, t- per se in the city. They don't have vehicles because you couldn't get anywhere around here if you did. That's right. So it's just it's it's a challenge, Levoy, going forward. Um, I love trains, planes, and automobiles, and so I'm really been having discussions over the summer with other outside the box ways to number one meet that demand, number two how you're going to pay for it. And we pay as we go in this state, which is a great thing. We're not in debt, right. so we have principles in place that really have made us who we are today. So, so are we going to have to change some of that? You know, we're not a tollway state. I would never, ever um, uh, support something that like that. But there are things that other states uh, other states are doing with technology in terms of hot HOV lanes. There's technology in place now to where you can have a little number or something on your windshield and they can know that you're in the right lane and then you pay for that. And people would pay for that to get from like say rural Smith County into Nashville to work.
0: Right. And other states are, actually have multiple states that work together. I know Florida and Georgia. If you buy F- Florida SunPass, it works in Georgia and Atlanta they mm-hmm. their HOV lanes. Yes. And so once it goes through, I'm sure Georgia gets a split of the cut.
1: They do. When and they some of it's there. designated for roads. So because, as you know, the gasoline fuel tax is not cutting the mustard. It's not making us enough money to right. take care of the expenses of putting in major highways and major roadways to accommodate the growth.
0: So. Good. Right. We've covered a lot of ground, and I appreciate <laughs> no your <pun> time. No intended. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you being here today and sharing Thank with you. us. Is there anything else you'd like to cover before we um, come to a close?
1: Well, I just wanted to say, again, it's just an honor. It's a privilege to serve um, in this position as a voice of the people uh, that I represent. And it's really it's really exciting for, like today, the hallways were buzzing with all kinds of topics and, and interests and concerns, and it's really wonderful to see how the whole machine works right. and how we work at really making Tennessee a better place to live, uh, raise a family, work, have a business, and that's why we're growing so well. Not to mention it's the most gorgeous state in the whole U.S. of A. Well, I agree <laughs> with all of the above,
0: but I also want to thank you for your time and, and effort. You, it, it, it's a lot of work. Yes. And it's uh, sometimes kind of thankless, but we appreciate the effort that you're making to make Tennessee even better and make it more business-friendly. And so, again, thank you for your efforts and from from being from rural Tennessee.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. And definitely, it's teamwork. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Again,
0: I'm LaVoy Knowles, and this episode of Lead Tennessee Radio is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association, both cooperative and independent companies connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class Broadband. Thank you for listening and helping us share with these conversations with the people leading Tennessee forward. Thank you.